It's Thursday, May 5th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today for Motley Fool Funds, Bill Barker and Brian Hinman. Thanks for being here, guys. May the fifth be with you. Happy Ron Gross's birthday. How are you celebrating Ron Gross's birthday today, Brian? Uh, I came to work, <laughs> and I'll go give Ron a big hug right after this taping. All right. I mean, apparently there's going to be some bourbon involved in celebrating Lots of things today. Yeah. Scratch my answer. I'm going wherever <laughs> Bill's going. You want uh, to cover that? We'll, oh, believe me, we're going to get to the bourbon. Don't All worry. Right. We'll get to the bourbon. We've got earnings to get to, uh, and a little bit of non-earnings news, certainly in the media industry. But let's start with uh, Whole Foods. And as I say, anytime we talk about Whole Foods, John Mackey, co-CEO at Whole Foods, is on our board of directors here at The Motley Fool with that disclaimer out of the way. Shares of Whole Foods up 4%. Second quarter profits came in higher than expected. And yet, same-store sales down about 3%. That's uh, that's not good, Bill. No, it, it things have not really turned around. This is more of a response, uh, what uh, a, a pessimist uh, might call a dead cat bounce. Um, you know, it, it was right there at its 52-week low going into this report. And is now four percent higher than the lowest it's been in 52 weeks, and it's going to continue to struggle as long as uh, same store sales are in in a negative range. It's still building enough stores, growing its total square footage count enough that it can counteract the fairly small same store sales decline, but that's it's not a good number to to work on. And uh, on top of that, the other biggest question out there right now about the company is what is 365 going to be exactly, and how is it going to perform? 365. This is the the new concept that they're rolling out the smaller footprint stores. Yeah, and the first the first one they they announced is going to be open May 25th. So we'll have some information on that uh, possibly next next quarter's announcement. But digging one layer deeper into the same store sales number of down three uh, percent, same store sales usually is reported as uh, transaction growth or shrinkage plus uh, ticket growth uh, and shrinkage. So we know that Whole Foods has been air quotes here, investing in price, meaning they're slashing prices because competition is coming at them. Um, but if we look at that 3% number, it was actually transactions were down 2% and price was down 1%. So that's more troubling to me because it means people are still not going to the store even though products are getting cheaper. Uh, so that's really the problem that they're facing right now is people simply aren't uh, going to the store. And if you think through what Whole Foods' value proposition is, it's a wide assortment of organic stuff, uh, and then it's great customer service. Uh, well, the wide selection of organic stuff has been under assault from all of the other grocers. Um, and I got to question whether or not the customer service differentiation is going to stay because this, you know, beating of expectations was all about cost control and uh, spending less money in the stores. And that's a good thing to a degree, but if they start cutting uh, so significantly that they're cutting back employee hours uh, and they're taking away some benefits from employees, then that customer service angle is going to flip on them too, and people are not going to want to go to the stores. Yeah, I think in uh, in a large way, Whole Foods has won 
a big chunk of the debate on whether uh, organic or healthier uh, eating is is something that uh, can be promoted and adopted by a large chunk of America, maybe not as large as some people would like to see, but they have attracted the competition that that kind of success breeds. And now it's going to come down in the next chapter to who can provide it at the most compelling price. And Whole Foods doesn't operate from a position of strength on that. I mean, to have as the legacy going into that fight, the name Whole Paycheck as the thing people think about when shopping there uh, isn't uh, isn't a moat, let's put it that way. And uh, I think what they've done is remarkable over the years, but the stock is at the same price today. We're back down to the price today that it was at in 2005. And while the company has uh, nearly has more than quadrupled its sales and its size over those 11 years, uh, shareholders who might have owned at that point 11 years ago have, have not seen anything uh, in return for that. Now that the company has been, the stock has been available at certainly lower prices in 2008. If you'd stepped into this stock, as with many others at, at the bottom in 2008, 2009, you've done very well, even after the 50% decline that the stock has seen uh, since last year. But it, it's sometimes, and, and this is one of those cases, sometimes you see a whole lot of great, uh, profitable growth priced into a stock. Uh, well ahead of time, and it's it's delivered on that uh, 13, 14 percent compounded annual growth over that decade plus, uh, but the stock has not delivered. Speaking of optimism priced into a share price, Tesla Motors' first quarter loss was about what everyone was expecting, but it seems like Brian, the headline for Tesla Motors today is not so much their first quarter results, but the fact that the company now says. That its target to deliver 500,000 vehicles by 2020 is going to be moved up by two years. Let me remind everyone <laughs> they're basically on track to deliver 50,000 vehicles this year. Are they going to scale that by a factor of 10 in the next two years? Because that's, that's what they're saying they're going to do. That's the big matzo ball hanging out there, Chris. So the news itself that is that an actual phrase? I was just going to say, did someone dare you to use the phrase matzo ball and work it into a hanging podcast? out there? Where about the That's a real out. phrase. Really? Get with the program. Go ahead and Google that while he's giving All his right. answer. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not on the Google machine, it's not a real phrase. I don't think so. So I sorry, s- sorry. Back to your. Uh, I stand by my matzo ball. Okay, back to your point. Uh, yeah. So, so that, that's the big. That's the big question here. Is. Uh, 50,000 to 500,000. Now, it's great news that they're pulling forward their already audacious goal by two years. Uh, and they say that because they see the demand. So, that is a position of strength. The problem that I see is that manufacturing an automobile is difficult. And Tesla is not doing that in a vacuum. Uh, they're producing 50,000, they might produce 50,000 cars this year. The supply chain necessary uh, to produce the cars of the quality uh, and advanced nature that they're producing at a level of 500,000 doesn't exist yet. Uh, And so, another comment that you saw uh, that that jumped out to me was that 
Elon Musk said he basically was keeping a sleeping bag at the end of the production line to make sure that production goes smoothly. Um, well, that's because it has to. You see all of the problems that Takata is going through with the, their airbag recall uh, and the negative impact that has on the automobile companies. Um, that, that taint you know, comes to them as well. Producing a car is difficult. Producing 500,000 cars or 10 times as many as you might do this year uh, involves uh, an incredibly complex supply chain. And quite honestly, uh, Tesla has not proven yet that they're going to be able to get uh, manufacturers, OEMs, on board uh, to support that sort of production. Well, that was you just hit on one of the things that went through my head when I read all this, which is that even if, the, on the one hand, even if they fall short, and in two years they're delivering 250,000 vehicles, well, you know what? That's 5x from where we are today. That's impressive. And so, maybe at least some small percentage of this declaration is the belief that even if we fall short, we're, we're still, you know, it's an audacious goal and, and we've scaled up tremendously. But as you said, Brian, th- their track record on, you know, we, we talk about that from time to time when it comes to uh, company executives giving guidance. What's their track record like on it? Or, or what is their track record on buying back stock? That sort of thing. Tesla Motors, for all the innovation that they've Managed to deliver over the past decade, over delivering on vehicles isn't on that list. Yeah, there, and it's. I think for a company like this, it is the ambition is appreciated. Um, but the step as investors we have to take too is okay. If you are stake, putting a stake in the ground that you're going to 10x your production in three to two plus years. Uh, how much of that expectation then gets embedded into the share price, and uh, you know, Even Tesla though- already had some pretty large expectations embedded, and now they are sort of stacking, you know, stacking that hurdle higher. So Stuff. E- even though it's down three percent today, it's trading around two hundred two hundred fifteen dollars a share. You still look at it and you go, "That is." There is a lot of optimism priced into that. There is. I think we've spoken about it before. That I think I call Tesla an and stock. Uh, it's it's one of these situations where not just one thing has to go right. It's this has to go right, and 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 and many of those things are out of their control. So that just is a risky situation. That it doesn't mean Tesla is not worth owning, uh, but it does mean that consider your position size and know what you're getting into. Yeah, I, I've got no idea how to go about valuing uh, the the company right now. But in response to Brian's point about uh, the number of things that have to go right, it is true a number of things have to go right. But they are things which have gone right for Tesla in the past: its ability to deliver a very desired car uh, and its ability to be what I would consider to be on the right side of history in terms of being where uh, you know the electrical vehicles vehicles are, being in front of, of driverless vehicles, and and aiming toward more um, efficiencies in, in a lot of ways. So it is true that it all has to continue to go right, but it's in the realm of things where they've already established some success. So that gives some support to the level of optimism that I agree is priced in the stock. Uh, it is not uh, irrational, uh, but it is optimistic. I, I'm not shorting this stock. I'm I'm looking. I, I look at this and I think, you know, to your point, Bill, Elon Musk has 
over the past decade made a lot of people eat their words when they say, well, there's no way he can do X. And so maybe he can pull this off. But this, uh, the time frame, I mean, the time frame was audacious when it was 2020 and now it's 2018. You know, and, and, and in, a, in a sense, some, somebody should remember that the time frame for a big fat round number like, uh, you know, 500,000 uh, by two years, that's just, it doesn't need to be the round number, right? I mean, if they get to 300,000, they'll have succeeded to an amazing degree. If they get to 250, it's still kind of hard to imagine how much executional quality would be behind that achievement. So, And I'll keep my skeptic hat on here for one more moment anyway, and just note that we know Tesla needs more money. Uh, to carry out these goals. And so, an equity offering is uh, on the horizon. And so, if there's, you know, Elon Musk is wonderful at many things, but one of the things he is best at is being a promoter. And so, him sort of promoting Tesla and their goals and, quite honestly, their stock at this moment lines up pretty well with uh, wanting to issue shares very soon at elevated prices. So I'm not saying that's what's going on here, but he is he is a great cheerleader for the for his companies and he is very passionate and believes in his companies and has the right to do to do just that. But they need money and it is better for them to issue shares at a higher price than a lower price. Right. And and that's underlies you can you can achieve spectacular growth if you're given enough money or if you have access to enough. That doesn't mean that the share price is going to reflect a similar uh, amount of growth because, uh, as Brian points out, there are quite likely to be more shares. So, what profits there will be in the future when the company does finally become profitable, and I think it is expected to later this year uh, actually achieve profitability, but uh, that may be divided between quite a few more people. Weight Watchers' first quarter loss was about as expected, but the company raised guidance on subscriber numbers. Where where are we with Weight Watchers? The shares are up about eighty percent since Oprah Winfrey entered the scene here, and it's obviously come down from its high. But I don't know if you if you were if you were betting on the power of Oprah Winfrey that you you've done pretty well with that bet so far. Yeah, as as usual and. What I would say is, it's not the kind of company that I'd be particularly interested in owning because the long-term growth story here is not. Um, there isn't long-term growth. It's a smaller company today than it was 10, 15 years ago in terms of sales, and it is finally beginning to get some additional subscribers, which one right now would would attribute entirely to Oprah Winfrey. I think the company also mentioned that it's got. Uh, a new program, and and so it's got a new plan that that's attracting people, uh, but there's not going to be impressive growth in, in this area, I would think, unless she, that being Oprah, has even more power than has been demonstrated so far to attract more people to what is a very competitive uh, arena um, in in uh, you know weight control. Yeah, truth of the matter here is this company completely whiffed. On bringing what they do to mobile, and so plenty of competition entered and and ate their lunch and picked away at them, and they're trying to recover from that now. But that takes time, and that was that's not a core competency of theirs. So they are trying to 
uh, fend off and become a player in that in that area. But strategically, this management team whiffed big time. Uh, and the other the other main thing that all of this new competition has brought on is it completely decimated their pricing power. And so I look forward uh, through the lens of this business, and uh, I see a future that is not as 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 bright as their past. If I can interrupt, I had forgotten to mention that uh, the the matzo ball issue. I was going to come back to that. Yeah, uh, Brian's right, and this is, reflects a fairly large hole in our cultural knowledge. Uh, it, it comes from a Seinfeld episode. Really? Yeah. Did, is that where you got it from? Yes, I, I, I'm speechless with you two. <laughs> Why didn't you tell us that's where it was from? I was too busy getting railed at. <laughs> there was time. <laughs> Which episode of Seinfeld is that from? Well, Brian knows. I can't be put on the spot. Come on. <laughs> he just thinks it's it was one of those phrases that's just out there that people use all the time. I think we're gonna have to dig up the. It's clip. from the face painter. All right, we're gonna have to dig up the putty. Clip. Putty. Putty, putty uh, yeah. paints his face as a, a New Jersey Devil. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. And other things happen. Other things happen. We'll tweet that out. Hilarity ensues on the Market Foolery feed. Uh, L Brands. Is I the- accept your apology. <laughs> you, by the way, I didn't really apologize so much as. It, it was criticized Chris for not knowing it. more. <laughs> L Brands is the parent company of Victoria's Secret, Batty, uh, Bath and Body Works, uh, Pink, and several other locations that, frankly, aren't uh, bringing in the revenue that Victoria's Secret is. Uh, and even that isn't working as well because uh, it's not their quarterly results, but they did come out with their monthly same store sales um, barely up 1% against an expectation of 4%. And this, this looks like one of those companies that when when things like this happen this is when i'm reminded of businesses like l brands that are heavily dependent on malls and mall traffic and to me that's that's just what this quarter is or this this monthly reminder yeah, is there's no getting away from that their stores are i think 75 or 80% spread across a b and c and that's the those level malls those are classifications of mall quality uh, in the industry is it quality or size uh, i think they're one and the same okay that might be me uh, uh editorializing there a little bit but um so so you so you're right about that but i think there are two other things that are underlying this um so in february the ceo of victoria's secret announced that she was resigning and it was abrupt um she said that she was uh, basically tired and wanted to spend time with her family so i get it and great you know great for her she'd been there i think 16 years and had an incredible run uh she was a star and so her announcing her resignation uh, is a blow to the company um so that happened in february and now all of a sudden we are seeing uh same store sales start you know start to be weak uh at this at this concept for l brands and investors are uh, freaking out a little bit. Uh, the other thing I think that uh, is weighing on on investors' minds here is yesterday, Aeropostale just announced that they were going into uh, into bankruptcy. So I think there is there there are sort of a lot of a lot of things lining up here that are just saying, "Ooh, mall-based retail uh, smells a little smells a little bad." I'm just I'm just running away from this. Um, I'm a little more sanguine on on the situation at L Brands. Uh, I'm happy to. You know, 
accept lumpy results. The bottom line is uh, L Brands has proven to be a wonderful retailer uh, over the past 15, 20 years. Uh, remarkable results um, over a long period of time. I think there are uh, systems and a deep bench uh, in place here uh, that the CEO leaving is, uh, it's a hit, but it is not a death knell by any means. And uh, this company is uh, tied to mall traffic, uh, but their destination, their destination, they're, uh, you know, somewhat Amazon resistant. They're in a, as good a place to fight this battle as any other mall, a, a better place to fight this battle than most other mall retailers. Well, and to your point, it, it doesn't have to be a death knell because when Christine Day left Lululemon, and you look at her tr- amazing track record of, of running Lululemon, that was one of those situations where you, when Christine Day left, we all sort of looked at that and said, wow, that's a great run she has had. And God help whoever has to follow her. And not that Lululemon is in dire straits, but it did take that company a year or two to sort of right the ship. Yeah, I, I think things are are more positive. It's down, the stock is down 10% today, but uh, April sales were weak in a lot of places. Uh, they were still positive uh, for uh, Victoria's Secret and um, you know they were flat at Costco. That came out today. Costco's down three, four percent. You know some other lesser players like Buckle was down thirteen percent for the the month, and Zoomies was down six percent. So these are all these are even more mall based things. And Victoria's Secret uh, has a reasonable um, you know online presence and is is successful there. So they've got a little bit of a net for what is going to. I think continue to be declining mall sales, uh, but they they have not suffered uh, and will not suffer the way Weight Watchers was has in, in being just so far behind the curve. Yeah, and a little perspective here: uh, company wide same store sales for April were up one percent, up three percent for the quarter. Uh, Bed Bath and Beyond is really you know pulling pulling the company along here as uh, as you get the hiccup in Victoria's Secret. So dire straits, I don't think so. The company said that they're going to hit their you know their EPS target for the quarter. So you know things are okay at L Brands. I just think there are these other these other things conspiring that uh, that freak people out a little bit. So do you think the ten percent drop is an overreaction? I think the ten percent drop is an overreaction. Well, it's an overreaction. I would agree to what wasn't a particularly. Uh, highly priced stock, and it comes amidst a number of questions. Being, you know, who are the replacements going to be? Are they going to work out? Uh, Victoria's Secret is eliminating a number of lines, including swimwear. I think that was just announced, either, you know, as part of this or, or very recently. Uh, they've they've gotten rid of the, the most of the other attire uh, there that's outside of the lingerie, and they're going to rebrand just focus on that. So. Uh, so you may see a shrinking of, of sales, and will see, I guess, because they're in fewer um, fewer categories. But that doesn't mean they're going to shrink profitability. Before we get to our final story, I want to thank Stephen Jenkins, uh, one of our members of our stock advisor service and our rule breaker service, who is visiting Full Global headquarters today, sitting in on the other side of the glass with Dan Boyd, and he brought because um, he knows a thing or two about Kentucky. And he knows a thing or two about bourbon. He brought a phenomenal bottle of Four Roses single barrel. Seems to know a thing or two about the host. <laughs> that that may be as well. But to your point that you made earlier, I think once we're done, 
Um, Brian will go give Ron Gross a hug, and then we'll uh, maybe open this bottle. Nothing says Cinco de Mayo like Kentucky bourbon. Exactly. Uh, Up until last week, shares of Tribune Publishing had fallen 60% over the past year, and they spiked because Gannett had made an offer to the tune of $815 million to buy them, and the board of directors of Tribune Publishing has unanimously rejected that offer, saying, quote, it understates the company's true value. Are, are these people delusional? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm, I am astonished that, th- that Gannett offered this type of offer, which at the time I just thought, oh, this is something we've seen a little bit of in different industries over the past six months, the godfather offer. It's like, look, let's not quibble. Here's more money than you probably deserve and more money than you're probably worth, but we're going to pay up for it so that you will say yes and we can all get on with our lives. Chris, when you told us that you wanted to talk about this story, I said, all right, I'm going to take the other side of this one. I am am going to prove why they were smart in uh, rebuking this offer. And I got nothing. They should have taken the money. (laughs) You win. I I don't even I I didn't win. The shareholders of Tribune Publishing I think have lost terribly because what is the next move here? Is the next move that get like are they thinking Gannett is going to up this offer or that someone else is going to come in? It's always possible. It is always possible. It is possible. And you know what? Like all right. So just if you're looking at the the price, right? It's it's eleven dollars right now. It's been as low as four or five dollars this year. It's been as high as eighteen dollars in the last year. So thinking that it's worth more than ten, maybe anchoring to other prices that the stock has traded at in the not too distant past. Uh, It may be based on. An expectation that they are going that things will get better. A lot of people are going to start buying printed newspapers. A lot of well, new subscribers. They're waiting. They're, well, I think they're waiting for the Bezos. They're waiting for the the wealthy the wealthy entrepreneur to come come in and want a trophy asset for no real reason, but they might pay more. They, they might. They might. Who By knows? the way, the Bezos is not an expression that you'll find, <laughs> uh, but maybe it'll catch on after today. <laughs> It, it's it, so it was spun off created when when Tribune Media uh, separated from Tribune Publishing. Wait, let's pause there for a second. Let's let's be very clear about this and expand it just a little bit more. Tribune Publishing was created because the parent company Tribune Media looked at their own business and said, "You know what we got to do? We got to get rid of that." Yes. <laughs> And to the surprise of no one, but apparently the board of directors of Tribune Publishing, results went down and their stock went down. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So what you are reflecting, in part, and I basically agree with you, but <laughs> I'm, we're trying, as Brian said, to set ourselves a very difficult, uh, you know, game, which is to come up with a, a defense. And it was spun out in in uh, July of fourteen. For twenty, it was twenty six, twenty seven bucks a share at that point, and you know, went down to four, went straight down, um, well beyond what all of the people involved, I am sure, expected, reflected the the value of their business, and it, it's dark times for the publishing industry, but perhaps for those who are in it and choose to continue to be in it and think that doing so. 
is is for some reason other than denial, uh, they might think that they can see things that will improve. I don't know what they are, but but uh, it's not simply the fact that they were offered a much larger uh, stock price than the stock was currently going for. That's not necessarily the final answer on what the value of the business is. At least that's what they're telling themselves. You think they have Zuckerberg's home phone number and they're ringing him up, seeing if he wants to buy a newspaper chain? You never know. I'd, anybody with local Chicago ties is the ones that I'd be searching my Rolodex for. Big money with Chicago ties, because there may there may be somebody who is willing to be a white knight here. That's or or maybe they're just happy operating independently. I'm just. I, this is the sound of me shaking my head. <laughs> Three hundred and fifty million, right now, for That's the all, company. Yeah, well, they got offered. Somebody's even. got that kind of money. Go Oprah, for, Oprah. There here you, we go. You're thinking, yeah. This, you know what? This is going to be like working girl. We're going to like just spin spin an idea out and then go and and meet with the people and and put them together and we're going to get a cut of this. Are we? Yes. We're going into Oprah the Oprah and and you heard it here first and I want my cut. <laughs> I don't think it doesn't have to be a big cut out of out of three hundred and fifty million. I'll take one percent. You know what? I'll give you a banker Bill Barker. Oprah Winfrey didn't get half a percent. Oprah Winfrey, you can find those prices on Wall Street. Did not get where she is today by cutting schmoes like us in on a deal like this. But you can go to foolfunds.com and sign up for declarations. It is the free monthly newsletter from Brian Hinman, Bill Barker. And the other schmoes who work at Full Funds. <laughs> Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Sure thing. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Pool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs> <laughs>